Welcome to episode 43 of the God's Own Scale podcast, where the smaller it is, the bigger the bang. We are sponsored by Coat Arms Paints, for which there is a link in the show notes. Today I am speaking to Walter Anstis of Commission Figurines about all things MDF, including the cheapest 6mm figures going from which you can build huge armies at pocket money prices. Before that, though, let's have a catch-up on the latest hobby news. First of all, Bacchus have released a lovely double-sided mat, especially for Pony Wars. On one side, there is a Monument Valley Desert-style colour, with a more traditional green on the other side, and the various markings required uh, for arrivals of units, etc. around the outside. Check out the website for details. It was on sale at York, and having seen it in the flesh, I can say it is a thing of beauty. Some rather exciting pictures coming out from the Turner Miniatures Facebook page. You'll remember Henry Turner from his chat with me a few episodes ago. He's just ran another very successful Kickstarter for 6mm Napoleonic Cavalry STL files, but the eagle-eyed amongst you will have seen on Facebook some early prints of a 6mm First World War range uh, lovingly painted up by another former guest Robert Dunlop. They do look magnificent so check out Henry's Facebook page uh, and again there will be a link in the show notes. That venerable company Lancashire Games continue to churn out releases at a rapid rate and not only are they getting the old Hinchcliffe ranges back online but their 10mm ranges continue to grow, with the latest news being Biblicals, Mexican-American War and Pony War releases hitting the virtual shelves of the Lancashire website. Total Battle Miniatures, who produce some of the finest scenery in 6mm and other scales, have revealed a wonderful set of 6mm earthworks that would grace any table and would work from the 16th century onwards. There are various pieces from uh, a simple earthwork redoubt up to full siege lines, I would suggest you could build with them, but they do look magnificent, and check out their website for more details. Okay, my hobby updates will be at the end of the show, including discussion about my trip up to Vapartnak in York early in February. But that's enough of me wittering on. You're here for the main feature. Let's talk about it. Okay, welcome to episode 43 of God's Own Scale podcast. And this is one of... Uh, a, a, a series of podcasts that I love doing, uh, as you all know, and that's speaking to people who actually make stuff within the hobby, um, rather than just talking about it like what I do. Uh, <laughs> and I've got Mr. Wolf Francis with me. Hello, Walter. How are you? Hi, Sean. Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. We, we've been um, a long time coming, haven't we? Uh, yes, yeah, taking a this while. chat. <laughs> uh, and uh, the world has sort of turned on its head, I think, in between 
we did meet at the Joe Six. I don't know if you remember a couple of I years. I do remember, ago, yes. At the, at the last physical Joe Six, actually. That's it. Um, and I did try and record something with you there on the phone, but it didn't go particularly well. Uh, and that that was around about the time of my first episode. But we're we're forty three episodes in. Good gracious! And I'm hoping, hoping that I'm getting the hang of this podcasting malarkey now. So it's, it's great to have you on the show, Walter, to talk all about commission figurines. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, good, good. And despite your accent, and you've been originally from London, <laughs> yeah, you are not too far from me, and I, I think you're probably geographically the closest guest I've ever had in uh, Stafford area. That's right. Yeah, you were saying. So we're yes, quite close. I can wave to you almost. Yes, <laughs> if I stood on the top of my house. I'm sure yeah. we could probably uh, <laughs> make eye contact. So. Um, so, as is normal, uh, Walter, with any new guest onto the podcast, I like to sort of get into the weeds of of who uh, Walter is and how he got into this strange old hobby of ours, and why is a grown man playing with toy soldiers? The questions that these are the important questions that listeners need to know. So, uh, just just give us a bit of history of uh, your involvement in wargaming, if you would, please. Okay, right, right, all the way back. Eight or nine years old, my auntie bought me a box of Russian World War II 132nd scale airfix figures. That was where it all started. M- move on 10 years and I started work and met with um, what probably my two best friends ever. Um, and we were just sitting down to tea at our training at 16, just started with post office telecommunications, giving away my age. Um, and just I can't remember which one of us it was said, you're a war gamer, aren't you? just based on conversation um and that was it three of us started buying metal figures plastic figures everything and uh, going to shows together and never looked back um it's never stopped never stopped <laughs> i've got still got the same mountains of metal and mdf that i had then <laughs> fantastic <laughs> I'm, I'm just back from uh, the york show v- vapnartak which i always struggle to say uh now that, that's been a fabulous day and I'll, I'll probably talk about that more in um in the outro of the show, but uh, it was it was great to get back across to York and uh, see the familiar faces over there. So shows have been greatly missed, haven't they? Over the oh, they have, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of limited to my shows again. We'll get to that, but it was a shame I couldn't get there today. Um, I do like Back the Tack. It's a nice, clean, um, clean show. Yeah, it's it's clean, it's airy, it's light. That's right, um, yeah. and they'd actually made quite a bit more space uh, for everybody today uh, for uh, obvious reasons. So getting around wasn't a problem. There wasn't the usual crush. So, uh, yeah, it was a good time. So so um, was that down in London, I take it, where where you first started? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah West London, um, born and bred, and that's where my friends were as well, all around the West London area. Um, and we war-gamed, yeah, in a local club, um, learned our trade there, as so to speak. Uh, it always envisaged having having my own war game shop, you know, having somewhere I could sell things and do things, have whatever I wanted, but it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> which, which club were you part of? Well, it was a place called West Drayton, and it was just a little old, um, like, uh, local council-type house, really, where they had meetings and things, and we just rented a room. Um, and some friends, some older people from post office telecommunications and other walks of life all just gathered and mainly napoleonics but there were a few different gamers there um thoroughly enjoyable as i say learnt my trade there learnt lots of game uh, rules 
and ways to play and not to play. <laughs> yes. So, so was it Napoleonics that was your early uh, interest? Yeah, I, I would say it still is m- the main interest. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was 15 mil back then as well. Mini figures. Was the, yeah, yeah. 15. So you said about getting the, those uh, first metal figures. I think everybody... <laughs> remembers their first metal figures don't they but yeah so that was miniature figurines was it it was mini figs for me yeah yeah um napoleonics french i went french um and barry my mate barry went russian and my other friend went british so we sort of had everything we needed really <laughs> you're always safe with french aren't you because well you can always have an opponent when you've you're french, always got an opponent yeah yeah even if you're it's Austrian, another french then- well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody and wants you, to be Austrian. No, who wants to be Austrian? Yeah, Too much white. white. Yeah. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, have you still got those armies, or no? No, they all um, went. Oh, God, I had them for a good fifteen, twenty years, but they all went um, as nicer, better. Well, I shouldn't say nicer. They were good quality figures. I enjoyed them, but there was other things calling me and other scales as well yeah, interesting. so so what was your first diversification away from 15 mil six it was oh, six right. anyway you, you went straight down to six well we like that because this is god's own scale podcast yeah yeah <laughs> well it went i went first of all i went heroics of ross because at the time that's what it was you know so one three hundredth we should say to be precise you know five mil um in reality um again napoleonics you know that's the way we went. American Civil War um, sort of drew me drew drew me away a little bit, but that went on a side shelf pretty quick. Napoleonic's just colourful and you know fun. Can you remember what rules you were using back? Oh in the day? yeah, WRG. Yeah, WRG. Oh yeah. I, I was looking at a copy of the WRG set. Is it six, sixteen something to eighteen something? Uh, that's right. Yeah, sixteen eighty five to eighteen hundred. Yeah. It's quite a broad range of uh, eras that it covers, but yeah. But does it well? Or did oh, it? Well, I thought so. We or still does fun. it well? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those fun sets, isn't it? Bit nostalgic now when you've got some realistic, he says, doing the quotation marks rules, but uh, it's all about enjoying it and having fun. Well, well, this is right. It doesn't matter what the rules say. It's more about the two players at the table, isn't it? And their attitude and uh their their approach to that game but I've, I've very nearly succumbed and bought a set there was i think it was dave lanchester on his stand i got two copies for sale oh yeah they were 12 and 15 pound and I, it was one of those things where if it was 10 pound i would definitely have bought it but for the sake of an extra two pounds you were just thinking mm, yeah, yeah just had your second thoughts yeah yeah, it's, it, that's a cup of tea that I could have in half an hour if I saved that two pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, right, so uh, you, you, were you fairly early into the uh, 1-300th scale then in your hobby life? Yeah, I think I learned fairly quickly. I love the 15 mil. The games we had at uh, West Rayton were great, but I learned fairly quickly I like the bigger scale battles, and you can't do that any better than with... Six, well, I say 6 mil, people will say 3 mil is there and two mil but I, they're too small for me i like a little bit of detail he says doing mdf figures yeah um a little bit of detail but i want masses you know i want lots on the table i want cores not not battalions so i'm certainly not um, a skirmish player 
you're a man after my own heart, Walter. Because ah, good. That's exactly my uh, my uh, thing, really. With ethos, yeah, yeah, with my uh, uh, wargaming, certainly in um, the American Civil War and a couple of other periods in six mil, but or or five mil or one three hundredth, which uh, I, I want to fight the big battles. I want to be the corps commander or the army yeah, commander, and, absolutely, and not the brigadier general or whatever. So, do you remember uh, a set of rules called Empire? They were oh, quite my goodness. quite yes, technical. Um, but with our minifigs, we used to do Empire. And they yes, there are lots of charts. Yes, it was a lot of rules to and we all had discussions about what we thought interpreting them. But they got they've got that telescopic time concept, that moving quick and then getting into battle and then you just got divisions and cores, and that's that that was what really started me. Yeah. And would they generally be multiplayer games that you're playing on that? Yeah, stadium? yeah, there would be like yeah. five or six of us around a table with our own core, you know, not just a different, with our own core, and you could move things and make decisions, and yeah, really enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed it. And that, that's an interesting concept, isn't it, about that mo- that early phase of the game movement so that you're not creeping across the table at two inches a time uh, because you want to get into combat, don't you? But you still want some sort of tactical or, or strat- strategy or tactics that that say which route you're going to get there. But then you do want to get to that decision point. That's right. I felt it worked really well. You just a quick move in, get the battle going, and then slow down and, and do the minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The, and back then, I, I don't think um, there was ever... Well, there were rules that were specifically written, weren't there, for one three hundredth? But um, yeah, I don't not think, like now. No, not like now. There's certainly a, been a, been a move to sort of dedicate rules to the smaller scales. Albeit, you can play any set of rules in any scale with just a bit of tweaking or imagination. But the the sets of rules that are out there now, you've certainly got games that are aimed at that uh, grand tactical level. So. Uh, you are commanding uh, cause uh, on the table, so and long may that continue. So, uh, so Napoleonics was your main thing. You, you had a bit of a flirtation with American Civil War by the sounds of it, but was there any other periods that tweaked your fancy? Oh, oh, every every era. <laughs> uh, yeah, roses. I again, Kingmaker um, was something that as a group we all played. Um, and Wars of the Roses, I read books and, it, you know, really interested in the era um, and the idea of uh, the Kingmaker and all of the, the Wars of the Roses. Um, so, yeah, but that never really, I never really felt, I never got anything in 15 mil um, and really never did much else other than Kingmaker, but it's always been there. And then more recently, I had some 28 mil, the club started doing 28 mil Wars of the Roses, but I've just literally sold that on eBay <laughs> within the past few days, um, moving into six mil. Backers have got some lovely uh, Wars of the Roses stuff. Yes, they have, yeah. yeah they have, so, yeah. I'm, I'm staring at my copy of Kingmaker just across from oh. where I'm sitting now. So. <laughs> well, he's um, definitely uh, war gamers to, at heart, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're brothers from a different mother. That's it. That's the one. So, um so you've had the flirtations, but Napole- Napoleonics has stayed with you pretty much throughout? Always go back to Napoleonics at the end, you know, no matter what else I do. And, yeah, I say at the moment I've diversified. I've got loads of things. Um, uh, but really, Napoleonics is the big thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just it's just so colourful. Oh, uh, yes, and that's something that it's very difficult to be beaten 
on, isn't it? The the um, the, the colour and pageantry of uh, two Napoleonic, two large Napoleonic armies clashing. When I saw you at the Joy of Six, which I'm sure, I think it was 2019. I've lost all sense yeah, uh, of, was, of yeah. time and years and months, but I think it was 2019. You got a large Napoleonic's game on then uh, right, on, yeah, on the table. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's large, isn't it? <laughs> as things go, yeah, yeah. As things go, and there's quite a few six mil figures on the table. Um, what? So, what rules were you using then, and what what rules are you using with your own figures now? My favourite rules, full stop, are volume bayonet. I, right. I love volume bayonet, and now yeah. the new ones are out. Well, they've been out for a while. The second version, and uh, got those as well. And yeah, just love it. It yeah. just covers everything in a short space of time at a large scale. So yes, that's, that's... and it's, it's such a playable game, isn't it? That but again, I I think so. It's in my opinion. Yeah, the, the, it's one of those rule rule sets. I think where. Um, the rules don't get in the way of your enjoyment of the game or, or what you want to do on the table. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's very interesting because it's a rule set I'm looking to return to uh, with a, a couple of projects that I've got on the go myself. At the well, moment, give me a so. call when you're ready, you know. And, uh... Yeah, well, it's, I'm only 10 or 15 yeah, minutes away. Exactly, so. that's, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I mentioned in the in the pre-ramble that uh, one of my last guests was on the west coast of Canada, and although I would love to go out and, and see Sean Taylor out there who uh, does the Great War Spearhead rules, uh, 10 or 15 minutes up the, up the road to you, uh, will just seems far more I think <laughs> it's achievable. achievable. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> so um, on that table that I saw you displaying at um, uh, the Joe 6 were your... MDF figures, which well, it, the, the thing was, it was a mix of figures, and that's why I wanted to. That's what, what I do at Joy Six is to demonstrate that, yeah, they're MDF, yeah, they're flat, but they can mix with metal figures, and you don't, you're not looking for the difference. You're looking at the game. Um, so yeah, the Russians were all Adler, right? Um, okay. It's but the well, you've proved your point there, haven't you? In the in the fact that I didn't know that. <laughs> Well, yes, you weren't not the only one. Yeah, so, and and we'll come on to talk about the figures very soon, because I've got some in my hand Ah, as, as I speak. You got have, them okay then. Yeah. Yeah, I did, thank you very much, yes. So I've got some, I bought these as samples, um, to, because I'm really unsure where to go with uh, this project, and, and maybe we'll talk offline about this project, and you can advise me, but... Um, they are splendid little figures, and uh, I've got them here about three foot away from me. And you would not know that these are MDF flatter than you would get with the the metal sculpts. You would not know it. Absolutely. You know, if you look them side on, they are a flat piece of wood. But when you look at the front or the back, there's enough sculpting to give you the impression of 3D. That's what I felt, and what most people say. Yes, exactly. And we, hopefully, we will talk at length about this shortly. However. Let's talk about uh, commission figurines because this is your business, your wargaming business. Um, how, how did that come about? Tell me, tell us the origin story of commission figurines. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound so bad now that we're talking about figures and six mil figures, but when you consider what I, I my starting was um, in laser terms was buildings, I often got the question, why commission figurines? Well, some uh, decade earlier, before that, any of that came about. I decided um, as my my hobby with my you know, wife in the background watching her TV programs as they were, I'd sit down and do some painting. And, and I, I picked up on, uh, I can't remember the manufacturer of the figures, 28 mil 
figures for the Crimean War, officers. And I was going, I just had this idea, commissioned officers. I'm going to paint commissioned officers, put them on a plinth, put a little bit of explanation of what they were and sell them. And I, it then sort of evolved to commission figurines. So they're figurines of commissioned officers. That was where oh, it started. Okay. Um, I actually, I, I didn't get anything in the um, Imperial War Museum, but in the uh, the guards, um, well, it's the guards armoured site in Windsor, where they had their little museum of the cavalry um, regiments, the, oh, crikey, it's all gone now. You know, the, uh, yeah, the guards cavalry, ours. Um, I, I painted a, a lifeguard and hold on a second, he says, I'm just, I just got to have a household and the household cavalry. That's it. Yeah, I'm just looking at them now. Um, and I actually took them there and they might still be there today. We're talking 25, 30 years ago. They actually had one of each of my mounted officers uh, from the two regiments and some box sets to sell um, from me. That's where commission figurines came from. Uh, that all went by the by. My job got harder and everything stopped and just war gaming and, and until 10 years ago. And I decided, you know, with all these flames of war going on um, and going to the Stafford Games Club and seeing Roland there, who is Sta um, Stafford Games. Um, everybody was doing flames of war. And I just felt they needed some some buildings. There were buildings out there. There's lots of resin, lots of plastics, the odd MDF. But I felt that it it needed ruins, and it need, you know buildings to fight over in, in these combats were ruined buildings. And on looking back on my history of gaming with um, Warhammer 40k Epic, that did this lovely set of plastic ruins that clipped together, nice and straightforward. You could pull them apart at the end and put them back together whenever you needed them. And these ideas all came together, and I just designed uh, an idea of these ruined buildings and looking at thousands of photographs of uh, Berlin buildings and, you know, Second World War buildings. Then it was, how do I do it? Um, and uh, I've had this conversation with a few people. I started off thinking about routing the, the wood or MDF. Um, well... I've done a little bit of routing in my life and I knew that would be epic in itself. Um, and it was my brother that suggested a laser cutter. Ten years ago, that wasn't, they, they weren't a big thing. Um, and I thought there was no way I'd afford it, but I actually could afford a little hobby laser. HPC lasers up in Halifax. There we go. If you're listening, I'm giving you a, a plug there. Um, I sold this little laser, A4 size sheets. And it did 15 mil buildings fine. It wasn't that technical. It just, it could do the buildings. And, and I tended, my buildings are different to others. If you, you could do comparisons of the work that I do, I do engraving, whereas most people etch the, in, uh, the detail on and then do multiple layers of 2 mil MDF. I will actually engrave deeper and deeper. So I get more 3D type effect on my MDF. Um, and this little laser couldn't do it. It just couldn't keep up with what I wanted. And I wanted to do bigger scale. Um, so I did a Kickstarter to get my nice 600 by 400 mil laser. I got it successfully within the last few days. 
and I've never looked back. And it was subsequent to that that the figures started. So commission figurines from day one where I painted figures of commissioned officers blitzed all the way through to 10 years ago when I, I started with those buildings. And was um, there much MDF around? Because I do remember the explosion of MDF uh, companies uh, at shows where you'd walk into a, through the doors of a show and you'd be hit by the smell of burnt wood <laughs> almost immediately, uh, which is generally preferable to some of the, the yeah. smells that you can <laughs> you get at war gamers. Yeah, yeah, that you can experience at some shows. However, there was a big growth, wasn't there? Probably, I don't know if four that five would have years been, ago. Yeah, four or five years. Four or five years ago, when I I said when I started, it was about. It must be 10 years ago now uh, with the first laser. Um, I did the buildings and took them to Roland's Stafford War Games site and used them in a few games there. And he took me to, or he let me have a bit of his table at Salute my first year. I had about two foot space on one little table and sold pretty much everything I had. Um, And next year he hired a bigger trade stand and I had a section of it and sold so much it was unbelievable um, in the third year again he gave me a little bit more well he, he sort of sublet I don't know if we we're allowed to say that but he did he sublet me a section six foot section which I could then fill so over three years it grew to that point where I was filling this six foot section so three times a three 100% yeah. growth by the sounds of absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely amazing it was. Yeah, um, yeah. But of course, Salute's big and, you know, and, and you had to have everything there because and all your new stuff because it would sell. People would just buy things at Salute. And the first year, that was the only one I did. The second year, I did a couple of, I can't even remember what the other shows were. I think it was Derby um, and Warfare, I think, were the other one. Um, the second year, uh, the third year, I started, we started to do more and more, you know, as, as until four years ago. I did 27 shows in a year, Jeez. which when you consider I, this is a part-time thing for me. I have a full-time job. So getting the stock ready for the next show was, was quite, yeah, traumatic. Goodness me. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one every other week. Well, more than one every other week. It was. Yeah. yeah. There was a couple of uh, weekends, sort of three weekends in a row and then yeah. there'd be a gap and whatever mm. that happened a couple of times. But um, my wife, you know, God bless her, she just put up with all that. Warfare, I remember before Salute and before Warfare, the whole weekend I had a day off work on the Friday and I didn't stop cutting until sort of the Sunday and then the next weekend I'd be going to the show. And I was literally having an alarm that would wake me up to go back to the laser to change the MDF to put the next sheet in. So it was just continuous. So going yeah. through the night? Yeah, all the way through, literally from Friday morning through to Sunday night, just nonstop. Um, and including the, the, the clean down time that you have to do with lasers as well, because I've only got the one. So it's uh, making sure it's clean and working nicely. <laughs> it was hectic. So uh, tell me the process of how you make this magic happen within that machine. I've seen these machines working, but there's some some sort of voodoo happens where you press a button and it will cut out the Alexander Platz building or whatever it is. So how how do you get from that design? Well, that's lots and lots of photographs 
get an idea in my head. I already had the scale I wanted to do and the widths and depths and heights of these things. Um, they all, all the 15s, 20s and 28s all fit on. So in the 15 scale, it's like 200 mil by 120 mil. That's the base. And for the 20s, it's upscaled from there. And the 28s is upscaled from there. Um, just lots of pictures. Then start to put the drawings down. So get the building drawn. And then I have to split the drawings into the different depths that I want to engrave. So like a window frame, you've got just the outline of the window frame. That goes back one engraving. Then a bit deeper for the actual bit that goes around the windows. Then a bit deeper. And then the holes. And you have to split that all down so they don't interfere with one another. And they go into the laser one at a time. And the laser will sort of take them in as four separate, five separate diagrams or pictures of the building with less and less on it if yeah straightforward enough and it'll do the first drawing so it'll engrave one depth then it engraves the next depth then the next one and then it'll cut so you get this semi three-dimensional feel to the building but yeah from the draw it's the voodoo is just getting those drawings right and once they're lined up in the laser you can just press that button and it do it every time right and uh, ad infinitum yeah. Lasers do have their hiccups. People, you know, you, you look at um, metal casting and you get flash. Lasers, you'd think, well, there can't be any flash. There can be if the drawings don't quite match up. You'll get a slight blurring, if you like, of the edges, um, especially in the figurines. And we get to that um, in a while. But that's my flashing, if you like. And I have to make sure the boards are you know, kept still, well, all of the MDF users know exactly what I'm about, you know, keep it still. And it's got to be at the same point every time it starts the next layer. So um, you, I'm just looking at your catalogue now. Um, you've got six mil buildings on there um, and a, a rather nice six mil Arnhemish bridge, which I, I'm, I've only just seen. I, I rather like that. That's, that's going to be something that intrigues me <laughs> very soon. Um but uh, mainly are the buildings in the 15, 20, 28 mil sort of scale. Is that your sort not of any, Not anymore. Um, right, the, okay. the, a number of things took over. I mean, the 15s um, were my, where I started. And there's always been a, a, a market for those. Never massive, but enough. And I've, I've never been one for advertising. I go to the shows and it's word and mouth, uh, you know, or somebody just happens upon me because of the buildings that I've done. And when I got the bigger laser and I was able to do 20s and 28s, the Kickstarter, my main um, building, if you like, the, the biggie that was the prize at the end, if you could afford it or you wanted it, was the Stalingrad Mill. Yeah, looking and, at it now. Yeah, and that I, is out there. If you put in Stalingrad Mill MDF, my picture comes up in Google Images. And so that got around the world pretty quick. And I've had orders from that in all the three scales from all over the world, not masses, but just, you know, the odd one coming in. Um, but just a couple of years ago, again, because of the new work, I'm the work that I do now, I got less time to put into one producing those buildings because they are time consuming because they engrave and not etch. They do take quite a while. So I focused on the figurines and, and also I don't know if you've seen the the MDF trays that go in the RUB boxes. Well, well I have a, I have several of those next to me as well. That is that is my biggest seller. 
those because I something I'm proud to say is that until last year, my prices hadn't gone up in eight years. And last year, I just really realigned prices because there were some things I was producing and selling quite a lot of at a really dirt cheap price and something else that was also selling well, but it was like 50p more or a pound more and there was less laser work in it. And I was just thinking about, hold on, I've got that pricing wrong. So I've just realigned things rather than raised my prices. And I know the um, the cost of metal's gone up because work, working with Bacchus and working with Heroics and Ross, I know they're having to pay more and more and more for their metal. So they're raising their prices in Pendraken as well are the three that I know. MDF's gone up, but I've been able to absorb that. I'm, I'm, I'm not... For me, being a one-man band in my own home, I don't have the overheads, so I'm able to just keep the price. Um, yeah, you know, so it's um, it's a it's a what's the word a crusade for me to to get these different things out there, but not just it's not about the money; it's about giving lots of different options. So, and the and the money. <laughs> Well, yeah, you've got to find the money for the next Porsche somewhere. That's you, it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So I don't know how many um, Stalingrad mills you need to sell for a Porsche, but I guess it's a, a few. few. A fair <laughs> few. Yeah. So, so are, is the Stalingrad mill available in, in six mil as well? Yeah, it's not not as detailed in the sense of all the internals that the others have got, but I think in six mil you don't want things cluttering the inside. You need to be able to get in there, whereas the 15s, 20s and 28s, you've got floors, um, a, a roof portion as well, whereas the 6 mil, it's just the sides, the ends and the bit in the middle. So you could be building a, a considerable ruined city uh, just out of your stuff by the looks of it. Yeah, there's not as many 6 mil ruins as there are in those scales, but that's purely because of development time. Yes. That, that's my issue this past few years yeah. has been development time. But uh, they, they, they are looking very good. Uh, we'll get on to the figurines shortly, but it's not just uh, buildings and figurines you do. There's a few other bits and pieces in there, like tokens uh, for various rule sets. So are they rule sets you're interested in? or uh, No, not particularly. They were, well, uh, the casualty markers in both, like the Napoleonic casualty markers and the... Um, empirical ones so very much like ancients because they've got um oh what are they called the numerical uh, numerals i'll get there in a minute yeah <laughs> completely lost it <laughs> um they've got uh, roman numerals in there with a, a, a sort of um a wreath around they they just came because people need markers and i just thought yeah okay i can do some markers let's think of my own thing i drew the wreath i drew the you know made sure the numbers were the right scale knew the roman numerals as well i thought that was a good idea it was it just fit in with ancient so nothing specific still have the comments oh i don't need all the seven eights nines and tens can i have it without them well, yeah, you can have it without them, but you're still going to pay five pounds. <laughs> it's it's up to you, you know. That's that's the way they're cut. Um, so yeah, but then I I uh, had quite a good few conversations with um, oh I cannot think of the names they've all gone. Um, let me just think. What is his name? Um, where are you, Warwick? Warwick Kinraid. Ah, uh, yes. Who did yeah. the rule the battle group battle group series? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was playing with the the cutouts of from the book 
on one of the games really early on. And I said, you know, if I did some of those, would you would you let me? Um, and f- with Warwick at the time doing them and Plastic Soldier Company just being the ones that produced the rules, he said I should ask um, the powers that be. So I did. They said, yeah, I don't see why not. And that it just carried on from there. Every time they brought out a new set, if it's got new counters in, I've asked Warwick and Plastic Soldier Company if it was OK. And they said yes. Um, so that has carried on. And I've done exceptionally well with my markers. You know, um, There were other rule sets that I did them for and other game types that I did them for without any names mentioned. Um, but they never sold as well as the, the casualty counters and the battle group are yeah the the best sellers um the scenery you know the other bits the fences the trench works it pretty much all of that's followed on from the figures which you know i know you're going to ask about in a minute and i'll I'll sort of go through where they all came from but they all stem from they all stem from need needing something as well as wanting it Uh, of course with the the uh battle group uh labeled uh, markers. I mean, pinned markers or bailed out markers are useful for a host of games, aren't they? They don't necessarily need to be used specifically for battle group, but no, it's great not. that you've got that uh, that selection there. Do they come ready coloured as they are in the? Oh, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. They're only they're five pound a pack, and you get sort of ninety, hundred figures, a hundred counters in each one, each pack, mostly, apart from the Flames of War type. Um, markers but i i spray them by hand so it's it's quite a few layers of paint before you can get that effect (laughs) so they're time consuming um so i own you know i sell them online i sell them um, at the shows a number of people have said what can i sell them for you in my shop but i couldn't provide them with enough you know there's it's just i can't produce enough to do it that way so I mean that sounds like they're quite labour intensive, and at five pound a pack, that's that's pretty much a bargain. You don't need much more than a hundred markers to you for anything. You well, you'd be surprised when oh, I. Well, maybe show, I don't play Battle Group. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I'm, I don't. I'm Battle Group. The ninety six counters are the ones that are in the book. But when you get right. to casualty markers, I get people buying three or four packs. Oh really? Just, yeah, same colour, just <laughs> okay. so they've got multiple, you know, counters of the different yeah, multiple numbers. options. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let's go to the the uh, the figurines because um, I don't know there's anybody else out there making MDF figures. Um, people... There are, but not in six mil. They're forty right. mil figures. But oh, okay, not, but, yeah, okay. So you're you've got the market cornered in six mil, and I am I don't know, but. I, I I imagine people will have looked at you cross-eyed when you first said you're going to release six mil figures made out of MDF. I didn't know. Never came as a conversation because it again it was at the War Games Club, the Stafford War Games Club. Um, myself, being a six mil aficionado, wanted to start playing six mil. Wanted to do Napoleonics, and one of the other guys, he yeah, he quite liked the idea and was really interested in that um so off we went we got our volume bayonet we both bought our adler armies at the time um sorry bacchus but you know i've got loads of bacchus now but then it was adler other manufacturers are available 
Oh, absolutely. You know, there's there's lots of them um, now and it's growing, which is good for choice and good for people. I uh, so I, I went Russian. He went French. Uh, I bought lots of Russian Adler, painted them all really nice. He he's got more money than me. So he had more French and we wanted to do mega battle. So, OK, you know, something really big. And I couldn't I couldn't afford honestly, I couldn't afford any more. Um, and I thought, well, if I can cut brick work on a building in MDF, surely I can do something as a figurine. It's small, but must be able to do something. So I did. But they were, I don't know if you're old enough, Sean, to remember hair roller armies. Oh, of course. Yes. The article in Miniature War Games. Yeah. It was actually, it was back in military modeling. Oh, military modeling. Seven, Sorry. 1978. The, I don't think I've got it anymore, but that's when the first item was in there with all the description, how you cut the rollers up and painting them and everything. I, I may have bought that second hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought it first hand. Um, I never actually did any hair roller armies, but that came to mind. And epic scale figures from Warhammer. And I just thinking, what? why not? Why can't I do that? And they were very much just like little pegs. They had a head shape. They had shoulders. They, there are, you could tell there are arms. But I hadn't really got the engraving that well. I, I did a, a cross belt um, and the face was just, you know, engraved a little bit um, and between the legs. Ouch. Um, but and I put I, I did brigades and brigades of these things. I could just knock them out really simple, um, put them on the table. And everybody was like, what? They've come off your laser. Well, they could tell the difference. They were, you know, pretty bland compared to the Adler. Um and I just thought to myself, yeah, we played the game. It looked fine. We played well. Everybody enjoyed the game that was playing it. And when I come away from there, I just thought, I must be able to do better. And it didn't stop from there. And it was, uh, I wonder if I can do cavalry. It didn't stop from there. I wonder if I can do artillery. And it didn't stop from there. So, it, you know, and then, of course, um, there was the challenge of the firing figure, which was my American Civil War. That was sort of a later edition. And then marching with the... Um, rifle on the shoulder rather than at rest at the side so it just evolved and evolved and evolved over years um, and I remember the first time showing them at Derby seven years ago it must have been seven six six years ago seven years ago um, and people looking at them as much say they're not MDF they can't be MDF you can't do that with MDF but having painted professionally six mil figures for some time I put every bit of effort into making people see that although it's flat you can make it look special or you can just plaster the paint on you know so I did some that were just literally green white bit of red around the neck um for the collar crotch mark <laughs> brown line down the sides for the rifle job done and so you can if you can't paint very well and you buy Adler or Bacchus or um you know rapier or any of the new ones that are out there they've got detail and if you don't paint it as a painter I, I can say if you don't paint that detail it looks awful it doesn't look right if you haven't got the detail <laughs> and you don't want to paint it on it doesn't look so bad <laughs> that was my ethos these are almost uh, blank canvas is the wrong word but um because the there's less detail there's less need to to paint it yeah. to paint it yes there you go yeah 
I've just yeah. engraved the major elements yeah. and the back, which is what people don't get, is engraved quite deeply. So there is a backpack and maybe a water, but, uh, you know, a water um, bottle. Yeah. And a blanket so roll on top that, of the backpack. Yeah. That's it. So it gives you that sort of 3D feel, even though when you look down the side of the, the piece, it looks flat. It does. Um, and with cavalry, of course, it's the other way. You look at the front and they look flat. Um uh, however, however, Walter, what, what I would say is, and I, I know where you're coming from with that, but because of the scale, the depth of the, uh, is this 2 mil MDF? Yes. So in actual fact, it, uh, I know what you're saying, they look flat, but in actual fact, it's not, they aren't paper thin flat. <laughs> there is depth to the figure, isn't there? There that is. That 2 mil depth. So it's, I, I, uh, I don't think it's, uh, unless you pick it up and put it under your nose. I think from the table distance. Well, you mentioned Joy of Six, and I've I've done the Joy of Six show four years in a row with a big twelve by six table. You know, prior to lockdown, um, and it's a mix of Adler, Bacchus, and mine. Majorly mine. People do not know. They have to pick it up and put it under their nose to realise that they are MBF. Because you don't look at them straight on or side on. You look at them at angles. And from no, above. that's right. From above and from the side, yeah. So, so um, there's a considerable Napoleonic range that you've uh, moved to, uh, with all the usual types that you would expect there. Um, how how challenging were these to get to a stage where, for instance, you've got a difference between a, a British stovepipe shaka and a Belgic shaka? It, it's again like the buildings there's like three or four layers of engraving to get the face to get the just the lines for the uh, cross belts you know and on the back for the uh, bottle and for the backpack and it is a case of you flip the board over and that's where that blurring comes into i mentioned earlier you know the, the flashing if you don't get that spot on and i'm talking it's a fraction of a millimeter then it you know that it is about the detail in those layers what i learned early on was the difference between napoleonics is mainly the hat so it was a case of okay well so british stovepipe and british belgique the hat's the only bit of difference but that's quite a bit of effort when it comes to doing the engraving drawings you know you're not changing the whole body but you're changing the hat and you don't just change it once for the drawing that's going to produce 400 figures. You've then got to replicate. And it's all about copy and paste, basically. And once you've done the one drawing, you because my figures come in eight, eight on a strip. And again, people have asked me about that because it's 42 millimeters wide. And it's it's about the burn lines. It's about, you know, what works and what doesn't burn the one next to it, etc. So it has to be 42, not 40. <laughs> which messes bases up i know but sorry everybody um you know so eight figures wide um and you've got to reproduce that picture on the eight then you've got to reproduce the eight over and over again and do the two or three different diagrams so that they all match up so it's quite an effort to make the difference but again once it's done it's done so i can just cut and cut and cut the same thing over and over um you know and starting obviously with the russians and the french because those were the, you know, I had a Russian army and that was the sort of way I'd started. And I <laughs> I produced, just as a quick story, I, I produced some Russians. I needed Russian guard. 
So I produced the same Russian figure. This was when it was just a peg. And I cut a toothbrush, all the, the fibres off a toothbrush, and stuck them to the tops of the hats for the plumes. Uh, I mean, I'm talking a few hundred figures. and it, But it worked. And then it was after that, I thought, well, can I actually cut that thin and engrave that deep to leave a plume? Well, you can see the results. Yes, I can. Um, it can be done. And, you know, those little things and those learning steps are what get you the difference in the detail, you know. And, and there are some things you can copy from one and another, add them together and, and mix them up and copy and paste. Um, but it was just a slow move forward you know infantry first then the cavalry learning about how a horse should look and its scale in comparison to the rider etc i actually um, think this horse is absolutely gorgeous horse <laughs> that i'm looking at now of the uh it's the uh light dragoon pack um the it, it looks entirely in proportion to the figure that sat on its it back. takes a while to get to that and if i'm honest and i won't mention the metal producers because they're pretty much all the same some of them do not look in scale because they need to do certain things with the metal yes yeah because of the limitations of the of the, the metal casting and guessing and, and molding process but here you, you don't have that limitation and um that they, they look beautiful i've undercoated them and i'm probably going to put some paint on them uh, once we finish this conversation ah fantastic um but just getting back to the Napoleonics then. So uh, do you, uh, have you covered everything that you want to do in the Napoleonic range or is there more coming? Yeah, or? people have asked about different things. But, you know, one one figure covers a, a, um, a myriad of different types of figures of the period. Um, I've got the, the Russian guard, um, Chevalier guard with the, t the tall plume, um, like the caterpillar plume. But that also works for the French Carabiniers, and it also works for the um, Westphalian Lancers, um, guard Lancers that they had. So I don't need to make those extra figures. You know, I, if, again, if you look at the cavalry, it's hats and what's on the horse, and it's either the sheepskin or a cloth shabrak. And the sheepskin can act as the Prussian circular shabrak. So it... I don't need to do lots of things. It's just you paint it that way, it'll look that way. That's, you know, the way I've looked at it all the way through. And again, because I can paint, I can show that. And I've done so many different things with them. Um, and for those that can't paint, what does that matter then? Just blob it with blue or red and green and off you go. <laughs> it's... And, and you've got some generic infantry, haven't you? In, in bike, there's a couple of codes in bicorn. Yeah, a couple in bicorn and in greatcoat. There's a bicorn and greatcoat and a shako in greatcoat. And the shako greatcoat can be Prussian, French, um, you know, all of the confederation. It can't be British, and I haven't done a British in greatcoat, but you've got to have British in bright red, haven't you? Of course you have, yeah. The, it's not a British Napoleonic infantry in a, in a great coat, is it? For goodness sake. That's it. <laughs> you need the... And uh, there's uh, how many? Six different types of hussar. Yeah. Uh, as you've just mentioned there with uh, the, the cloth well, or the If you think, yeah, there's actually three different types of hats, but two different types of um, horse furniture. So that's where that, you know, combination comes together. And... Um, you did mention earlier that you, you did the infantry and thought, can I do the cavalry? And then after the cavalry, you thought, can I do the 
artillery and you can do the artillery because you've got quite a selection there and so these packs are four guns with full crew each and two six horse limbers that's right and an with officer. a mounted officer yeah and that's one pound fifty yes goodness me that's <laughs> and that's that's one of the winners um and also what what i have been able to do and show most of my russian artillery is adler but the limbers behind them are mine. You can't tell. They're on the same base. I wouldn't put infantry together on the same base or cavalry, but the artillery just shows that it can work. And for that price, you've got a whole limber, you know, or two limbers within that pound fifty. Even if you don't use the guns and the figures, you've saved yourself a lot of money. Well, I don't know if this phrase has ever been used or you've ever heard it, but these are pocket money armies, aren't they? I've never, I'm not, I never will compete with the metals. I love the metals myself. All of them do something nice. You know, all the producers. This is all about getting people. But again, if you want to talk, my ethos behind this was, as I said, it was need. I needed them to start with, but then I produced them for a couple of purposes. For a person that never used six mil before, to start with, it was Napoleonics, but now it's also ACW and Ancients. Have a go. You can buy a set of rules, and for 20 quid, you can buy two armies of MDF, pretty much. You don't need to be able to paint them that well, red and blue. Try the games, the game process out with the rules. If you don't like it, sell the rules. You'll probably get the same money for it, and you can burn the MDF in a wood burner. <laughs> so, so it's uh, saving the environment as well. I, well, you, there you go. You, See? It's true recycling there. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 well, it's pocket money be, armies all the way. I'd be disgusted if people burnt these figures. Because uh, so yes, yeah, so we've got the Napoleonics, which um, for most uh, figure manufacturers is a massive undertaking, isn't it? To to cover all of the major nations and the various yeah. troop types. But you you've covered it off adequately there. We've got the American Civil War, which less complicated, but uh, even so, I'm Some sure combinations still need the combinations. Yeah, still got those combinations, but now there are ancients. Now I haven't seen the ancients in the flesh, but uh, how, how different was it to bring ancients into uh, into reality to not, compare to the Napoleonics? Not really difficult. The thing is, it's very limited. I, I very much like the Roman Civil War, and the Marian period Romans were very simplistic for me to to do. Um, so you've got Romans on both sides. So I didn't really have to think about enemies yeah, of, yeah. of Rome. Although, Civil Wars are great like that. Oh, they? isn't it fantastic? <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I haven't done any light troops. I've got some cavalry. So I've got the Numidian light cavalry, <clears throat> some Thracian cavalry, some Roman cavalry. But that's it. And I've had so many people saying to me, when are you going to do these? When are you going to you know, bring some others in? And it, it is a matter of it, it's not that difficult because with ancients, like I was saying, Napoleonics, it's the hat. With, a, with ancients, it's the hat and the shield. But it's still the engraving of those to get it right. You know, so yes, I could change the the Roman figure and put a circular shield on him and I've got Spanish or a square shield um, with head corners taken off and I've got Iberian infantry or, you know, and I could do that, but it's time. It's all about the time on the diagrams, which in the past two, three years, I just have not had Um you know, and I like to war game myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and long may that continue, because the number of manufacturers I know that don't war game it it, it baffles me. But um, how are you intending to do Pike then? Actually, now that's one that I I 
I, I even asked Peter Bacchus what he does for the ones for his English Civil War, that the new ones where they're at port and uh, straightforward. Um, and he just says pins. <laughs> OK, so I was just thinking, well, I could do just the figure and say to people put pins on. But also, if if you have a look at the standard bearer on um, not the standard bearer, like the, the marching figures that I do, where the rifle is up at the on the left or Americans for it's on the other side, you actually can get quite a good height with the MDF. Actually, the ancients figures, um, the Aquilifer and the I don't know if I said that. I never know if I said that right. Um, and the standard bearer, that it's quite a tall standard in MDF and quite sturdy. They don't break that easy. So I'm just thinking I probably could go a few millimetres more and have the pike. You know, I've, I've not tried it yet. So, um, but, you know, people will pick them up by the pikes and I suppose they'll break then. Well, if the pins, though, they'd be less likely to. That's right. That's the point, <laughs> see. That's, that's the point. That's the trick. So uh, you've... There are a couple of codes here or, or troop types that you've set in the pipeline. So is development continuing or are you just struggling with balancing it's, the Development and... is in my mind. Um, and the moment that I can get the time again, at the moment work is so busy, that's not in the near future. Um, I keep wanting to sit down and do things. Even painting my own figures is on the back burner. It's, it's just so busy. Um, but I, I, I intend to get there um, and hopefully people won't lose complete interest in me and, and go off and buy other things. Um, and when it does come out, they'll still say, oh, yeah, I'll have a go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the Napoleonic range is essentially complete, isn't it? I yeah. I, I, there's not anything I, I intend to develop at the moment for that. Uh, American Civil War's rounded off. It's Ancients and a few other people, uh, Somebody, a few people want me to do English Civil War. It's just that other people seven do them so war. well. Yeah, Seven Years was another one. Seven Years War, Tricorn has been an issue for me. Uh, tricorn is not easy. I can do it, but that takes a lot. That takes more laser time than anything else. Um, so uh, just to complete the catalogue then of, of what you produce, and you've mentioned this is uh, your bestseller, which is the really useful box inserts. Um, which I, I've got four of sitting next to me, ready to glue. In fact, I've got some figures in one that's just been uh, uh, just pushed together without uh, oh, glue. I need you to glue get, it, but... get some glue on there. I don't want to be blamed yeah. for your figures <laughs> crashing to the ground. No. I was too eager, though, Walter. Yeah. Once I received yeah. it, I thought, I need to build this and <laughs> just <laughs> see what it looks like. <laughs> Works but... for the buildings, but not for the trays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how did these come about? Again, need. I... Um... At the club, we all got those really useful boxes, including myself, yeah. putting all that, your figures. Whoever in there. makes these boxes, whoever makes these boxes, I, I wonder if they know just how appreciated the hell in the wargaming community. I don't know because they are just like hobby craft, aren't they? They are a hobby box for all walks of life. They're for storage, um, but yeah, the hobby, our hobby, has particularly taken to really useful box of all the different sizes for the different scales. Um, and so, yeah, again, it was transportation of things. And a couple of the guys at the club said, well, look, can't you do something to fit in here? So it wasn't my own idea to start with. But once I had got the, and it was the 10 litre boxes, the sort of double A4, if you like, and that one, the flat one, uh, 70 mil, uh, 70 mil deep. Um, 
that I was using my Napoleonic Vol and Bainet ones for. And I just, okay, yeah, I could get, then you can get two trays in there. You can stack them. And so I did the measurements and got that started. And then I thought, well, these, the most familiar ones at the club for the other guys who do 20s and 15 mil and 28 mil are all the nine litre and four litre ones. So I designed and did those. And if they wanted them, I thought maybe other people do. So I took a few to a show. It's again, four or five years ago. Um, and they went like hotcakes. And now I, I take bags and I take a good three or four hundred of these to every show that I go to. And I don't come back with many. You know. Well, they were a real revolution to me because I've been using really useful boxes for a long time, but often thinking... Well, I'm wasting half of the space in these yeah, boxes yeah. Uh, because uh, I could fit so much more in, and and these these are going to be absolutely perfect for that. So, um, I am in the process of converting all of my six mil storage uh, to to using these certainly. So, uh, I'll be uh, having another word with you offline, uh, Walter, to uh, uh, fill the rest of my really useful box collection with uh, your MDF. So um, good. Like yeah, it. so uh so your your own gaming then um it sounds like time at the moment is short uh you know and, and you limited time for painting etc but are you still getting time to enjoy this hobby uh from a playing aspect straightforward answer no not at the moment it's i i get the odd occasion to go to the club um, and then it's really just to watch for a, an hour or a half hour what the others are doing and to sell them some stuff <laughs> sell them some more really useful boxes or markers um, and then come away. Um, and I'll, I'll be quite honest, today, yesterday, last night was the first night I sat down again with some of my World War II Bacchus um, troops and tanks and I've been painting. Um, and it feels good. It feels really good. And the time passed well, yeah. Um, so it's just getting that time and workers, it's not that it's relaxed at all, it's just, because it's a new, it was a new job, and now I'm at a point where I'm in control again a little bit. Things can go awry, but I do. I am getting time now. So, first of all, a little bit of wargaming, then the design time will come. For those that are listening, saying, "Well, why aren't you doing the the ancients?" And why aren't you doing it? I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, when will we see you at a show again, Walter? I'm thinking this year, I haven't put my application in for it yet, but to see Peter at uh, Joy of Six, I think it's silly for a six mil producer not to be there, not naming any names. Um, and Warfare. Warfare is, has always been great for me, ever since um, one of the gentlemen there, he, he needed some of my markers, so I gave him some markers, and he gave me a stand. <laughs> I won't mention his name, but it was actually because somebody didn't turn up. So he put me on this little, it's only a four foot wide stand at the time. I was with Roland and he put me on this little stand on my own. Um, and because I'd had that and my name was on the list, I then from then got my got the invite, you know, to, to pay the price and have a the next year and didn't stop until lockdown. Um, went last year and I intend to go this year and, and keep going. I mean, I like the other shows. But getting the stuff ready again with my workload is difficult, especially in the RUB trays, you know, the, the really useful box at tray inserts. They're just, they're, they're work intense. They're very quick to cut, but you've got to cut hundreds of them. So every 10 minutes, you're putting a new sheet into the, 
laser. And that just is very time consuming for me. Whereas figures, I get half an hour, 40 minutes to walk away from it, do something else, come back and change it. So I, it's the preparation that, that kills me on these things. Had there been an alum well um, over here in Wolverhampton, I probably would have gone to that because it's cancelled this year. I yes, think. that's such a shame, isn't it? It it's is really one sad. One of my favourite shows of the year, actually, yeah. alum well is, yeah. Yeah. But hopefully back next year. Hopefully. Yes, fingers crossed that next year I'll go to more, but this yeah. year it, it's probably likely to be just the two. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, that was great just having that peek behind the curtain, Walter, of uh, – what commission figurines is? I'm, I'm fascinated how you came about the name. I, I assumed you'd been a commissioned painter, but uh, the the direction you took that uh, yeah. answer in was uh, very it's intriguing. It's a bit different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just congratulate you on on the the fi- well, all of the ranges actually, but uh, the figures Thank in, in particular, you. they are. Um, that I think they're really special for something that sounds crazy. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and you absolutely pull it off. I, I like the word innovative rather there than you go. crazy. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, right. Let's go with that. <laughs> eccentric is another word, but you've got to have money to be eccentric. Oh, I? yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you, big projects are easily affordable with these figures, aren't they? And, that and, was my intention, Yeah. Know, to allow yeah, so. people that and to allow people to start off and try. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so just before uh, we finish, Walter, there's two things that I I was going to say demand. That sounds sounds forceful. I ask, I request mm-hmm. from every guest. I request two things from every guest. Uh, the first is that you agree to come back onto the show at some point in the future. Uh, you uh, keep me just try and keep me away. <laughs> Team of wild horses yeah. and, and yeah. ramble uh, <laughs> even continually. more than I have. Yeah. Well, no, no, in ramble with me. It's a ramble oh, okay. with me. That's what it All is. Right, it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a two-way thing. Because <laughs> it's very boring if I'm just sat here talking to myself. I, I imagine you'd still get listeners because there are plenty of us out there. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> that do the same thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but the second thing is um, we have the God's Own Scale Virtual Library. Um, which is a oh, yes. resource for all listeners to uh, fill. I, I always find that um, next to figures, books are another big love in most wargamers' life. Yeah, and to have a, a library full of recommendations, as we've had from guests over the course of the last forty-two episodes, uh, is great. And I, I'm going to give another shout out to Mr. Charles Roundtree, who has collated all of the recommendations in, into a file which is available on the God's Own Scale Facebook page uh-huh. uh, with links to the book in the Amazon website so you can go and pick that book up. I actually played in Charles Rantry's game today at Fat Nata, playing his Brecourt Manor in 6mm using individually based Adler figures. Oh, gracious me. <laughs> You're talking it about lo- madness. Yeah, okay. It, it looks spectacular. Okay. Um, for such a small game, um, my dice rolling was appalling. However, I've got a friend from my local club, Keith, who who saved the day with some sixes at the right moment, and we managed to destroy the four German guns and save the troops on New Top Beach. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all was good in the end. All was good in the end. Good. But, um, yes. Uh, so uh, I'm going to ask the question, and I gave you very little preparation. I, I do this with most guests, actually. I drop it on okay. the toes. At the, oh, at the last there, minute, and, there are a couple say, of you got that a come to mind straight away anyway. So, 
Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, give me your first one. Well, again, it's Napoleonic. So Armies of 1812, which is listed as either Otto von Pivka or um, Digby Smith is uh, the actual one gentleman. One in the same, aren't it. they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, one in the same. Yeah. Um, but that, that's been a source of information for me. Uh, yeah, just tremendous. Um, and I don't suppose I can just give you a genre of books. The Blandford books for uniforms... You absolutely just, can give me a genre oh, of, of books. You know, it's you're uh, the guest, Amer Walter. You're okay. in charge. Okay, well, you know, the American Civil War, the Waterloo, the retreat from Moscow—they're they're just all fantastic resources. Um, and they get, you know, certainly in the both the American Civil War and the retreat from Moscow at the beginning, they give you a rundown of the campaign or campaigns. You know, in the American Civil War, just fabulous. Just a background without going into massive depth. You you can learn quite a bit from them. No, I, I heartily recommend the Blandford series. I don't have the Armies of 1812, I don't think, uh, in, in my library. So well, it's a retreat from Moscow. It's yeah. actually called The Retreat from Moscow by Philip Haythornthwaite. Right. The, the man that put the text in and the painting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I I'll, recommend I'll, it. I'll search that out because um, at some point I need to make a decision on my big Napoleonic project. I've, there will be two big Napoleonic projects because Waterloo has to happen. Um, having <laughs> grown up watching Waterloo uh, every spare minute I had as a child because I, I got it on a, on a VHS and uh, I'd recorded it one Christmas, I think, and watched it endlessly. So Waterloo has to happen. But then it's whether I do Austerlitz or Borodino because they're both fascinating battles to me and uh, I'm, I'm not sure which way to go, but I think Volume Bane it will be the rule set of choice. Good, good, good to glad to hear it. <laughs> yes, and and your figures uh, will certainly make up one of those three battle, battles, if not two of them, if not three. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk offline uh, okay. about that at some point in the future. There. <laughs> okay, no worries. Yeah, uh, Walter, it's been great to chat to you, and uh, I do apologise it's taken so long to get you here. Uh, I think we've made contact, or I've made contact with you a couple of times about it, but. Uh, yeah, it's been great to uh, chat to you and get a peek behind the curtains of what is Commission Figurines. And well, it's I, I been wish an absolute you... pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me and including me. It's been oh, great. not at all. You, you've been on the list, absolutely, uh, mm -hmm. the, of people I need to speak to because uh, of just how unique uh, the, the figures are and how nice uh, the buildings are and the, uh, the really useful boxes. So uh, I wish you continued success and uh, hopefully much. speak to you soon. Yeah. Hope so. You take good care of yourself. Thank you. Okay, welcome back to God's Own Scale Studios. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Walter as much as I did. If you're 6mm MDF curious for the price of £2, you can sample Walter's wares and see if you have what it takes to refight Waterloo or Gettysburg at pocket money prices. My own hobby progress has been going great guns. The AWI is done, 
for now, obviously. No project has ever done. I have the forces painted for Guildford Courthouse, plus four new Continental Regiments in hunting shirts, which look rather splendid, if I say so myself. Pictures up on the God's Own Scale Facebook page. I have a few more commanders and some light troops to finish off, and then it's on to, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, there's several directions I am thinking of going, and I'm not quite sure where to put my focus. I have dived with both feet into Pony Wars, picking up the US Cavalry at Vapartnet from Peter Bacchus. I've got the first batch of figures for Blenheim, also waiting uh, their time in the sunshine, and I am itching to finish off the figures for my Tickval scenario for Great War Spearhead. So, uh, I'll see where inspiration strikes. Lots to do and lots to keep me occupied. At the Stoke Club, I am very happy to report that things are going really well. From a rather pessimistic future before Christmas, membership has grown and Friday nights are buzzing. We've recently played Shiloh using my 6mm armies built for Antietam using Ultra Freedom. That went down very well. I've been tempted into bolt action in 28mm due to two things. Firstly, it is very popular at the club at the moment and... Uh, especially for multiplayer games, which are great fun. And secondly, I'm in the middle of a large commission painting US troops, which I'm really enjoying. It's a long time since I've painted 28mm historicals, and I am rather enjoying it. I'm contemplating a British-slash-Canadian uh, force uh, for Northwest Europe D-Day time. So we'll see how that goes. I have to say, uh, the return of an old friend, Jeff White, so the club has really lit the club up again, uh, and along with Stefan Pedder, uh, a new addition to the fold, Martin Tideswell, who appears like he's been there forever, he's settled in that well, the future is bright. But my next production for the Gentleman Gamers, as we're grandly calling ourselves, is uh, Second Manassas, and I'll report on how that goes sometime towards the end of March. I had to drive up to York for the Vapartnak show on the 3rd of February, I think it was, with my long-term gaming chums, Aid and Keith. It was rather like the days of old, chatting away about every topic under the sun, travelling to a show at the far reaches of the country in the, in the northern wilds of Yorkshire. The show was bleeding marvellous. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Although not as full as in previous years, for obvious reasons, and far more gaps around the edges and between tables it still felt like the york show of old and i do fully expect next year we'll see a return to capacity with the tabletop sale and more demo games to look at but it was great to catch up with both uh, the yorkshire gamer ken riley and alex from storm of steel uh, to discuss future plans and collaborations together uh, and while i'm on that subject congratulations to both of them who have been recently nominated in the Caesar Awards 2022, and I sincerely hope they bring home the brass uh, in their respective categories. Ken uh, vote, uh, is nominated in the Podcast Award, and Alex has uh, got a nomination for his YouTube channel. Uh, and also, congratulations to uh, Lee Hadley for his work on the Miniature Adventures uh, YouTube channel and specifically the after action report he did uh, regarding the LRDG I think that's the name of it 
uh, raid on the Italian airfield, which is a superb video. And I'll put a link up to that actually in the show notes because it's well worth watching using 6mm Jeeps from GHQ. It really is a great rollicking after-action report. And of course, to long-term friend of the show, Pear, uh, whose blog has uh, once again been nominated and his... It might actually be one of his videos that's been nominated, but he's certainly got a nomination uh, in the current round of Caesar Awards. So well done to all. The highlight for me of York was actually playing the role of Richard Dick Winters in Charles Roundtree's GSOM, Brecourt, or Brecourt, Brecourt, don't know how you say it, Manor, Game using a modified version of All Hell Let Loose, and you may remember me speaking to David Vasilevsky and Charles uh, about the release of those rules back uh, in the distant past on one of the earlier episodes. Myself and Keith uh, managed to destroy the guns, but at great cost, and I think it was Spears, Lips, and Anne Bucky Compton biting the dust, along with most of the boys from Easy Company, actually. Uh, Charles was a great host, and the model he has built of Bricor Manor is just gorgeous with individually based 6mm figures yes individually based 6mm figures running around causing mayhem uh it, it took about an hour to play through it was great fun and and charles ran the game uh, masterfully so overall things are looking up i am at Hem- hammerhead on the 5th of march so please come and say hello if you see me there i may be in a god's own scale t-shirt I may not, but uh, if you do recognise me or see me there, either way, the first person to come up to me and say, let's talk about six, will receive a small prize. Yes, a little competition. Um, Hopefully somebody does, and I won't be carrying the prize around with me all day. But the first person at the show to come up to me and say, let's talk about six, will receive a small prize. Uh, it's not a gold watch or a Porsche. Um, But if that's not incentive incentive enough, I don't know what is. Okay, that just leaves me to say thank you for listening, as always. If you want to support the show and help to keep the lights on in God's Own Scale Towers, take a look at my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash God's Own Scale. Or come and join the discussion on the God's Own Scale Facebook group, or catch me on Twitter at God's Own Scale. Just on the Facebook group, it's been great to see the growth in that. There's been a real uh, influx of people joining over the last couple of weeks or so, certainly since Christmas, uh, and and putting up their pictures and sharing ideas and thoughts about the hobby. So thank you very much for that. Okay, I'm off to find the Windsor & Newton website, having had a rather bad experience with some cheap brushes I bought at York. But until next time, as ever... Stay safe, play nice, and keep talking about six. Brother Bertie went away to do his bit the other day. With a smile on his lips and his left ten and fifths upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he said, remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to war, shouting out these pathetic words. Goodbye, goodbye, oh I'm a dear baby dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be deeper than death, don't cry, don't die. There's a tell
landing in the sky. Oh, 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 sing, cheerio, ching, ching, na, boo, to, blue, goodbye. At the concert, down at the some convalescents dressed in blue. Had to hear Lady Lee, who had turned 83, sing all the old, old songs she knew. Then she made a speech and said, I look upon you boys with pride. And for what you've done, I'm going to kiss each one. Then they all grabbed their sticks and cried. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, and the dear baby, dear, from your eyes. Though it's hard to part, I know, I know, I'll be. Because I get to go, don't cry, don't die. There's a silver lining in the sky. But my old sing, cheerio, chin, chin, na, boo, toop, loo, goodbye. Little private Patrick saw, he was the prisoner of war. Till the hun with the gun called it pink dog for fun and panty punched him on the door. Right across the barbed wire fence, the German dropped in a deer, oh dear. All the wire gave away and Paddy yelled, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye, oh I said, dear baby, dear from your eyes. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be. Because it is to go, don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky.